This is episode number 266. How do you begin to love yourself? With Mel Shipman. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being in regard to our show and in regard to our work. And not as if any of our previous episodes have impacted your life or helped you see your world through a different lens, please consider supporting our work by making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so we can continue creating and sharing these inspiring and courageous conversations. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our weekly conversation called Survive to Thrive, Live the Story You Create. What this is, is a series of conversations where we explore one's personal narrative and the different topics that it relates to, including appreciation, gratitude, resilience, grief, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please consider joining us live through Facebook or LinkedIn Live every single Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time, or visiting our website at overcomingodds.today, where you'll be able to see an archive of all of the latest conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Mel, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. No, thank you. Thank you for connecting with me to begin with <laughs> and sharing that conversation that you and I had. And I'm, I'm grateful that we're able to connect on here and have this conversation about self-love. Mm-hmm. And I know that the topic you and I were discussing to begin with was, well, many variety of things that I'm hoping to <laughs> get into this in, during this particular episode. But one of them, one of the questions that I personally have had over the years in regard to this is not necessarily why does it appear difficult sometimes to love myself, but the question I think maybe even before that, and that mm-hmm. is when when I think of the topic to begin with, I oftentimes think of this question that I've struggled with probably for many years of my life. And that's actually, why do I not love myself to begin with? Mm. And why does it appear to be difficult? And what about it has to be difficult? Right. When it comes to your own personal experience, and maybe the best way that we can even kick off this conversation what was the challenge of loving yourself, if any? Sure. Before I get into what I had to go through in order to learn how to love myself enough, I would say maybe a, a preemptive answer to your question would be, I don't think we learn, we know how to love ourselves enough because, or we don't really know how to love ourselves because we don't, we weren't really raised to reflect the love that we give to others back onto ourselves. Mm-hmm. All of our, I mean, I'm sure that we all, you know, had parents that taught us good values and good morals on being kind to others, being generous to others, 
you know, you may have been raised in households where, you know, politeness and respect and honor and giving that to others were very important values in order to show the world that we are good people with good hearts and have good character. And so a lot of our outpouring actions towards others is what ends up becoming our identity in the eyes of others out in the world. Mm. Where the training sort of ends is how to honor yourself, how to respect yourself. And I'm not saying that this is across the board. I know that there are families out there who have raised their children to learn to respect themselves and honor who they are as their own personhood as well. But I think the majority of us grew up learning how to to be kind to others or be a good person to others so that we are portrayed as a good person in the eyes of others as as that being more important Mm -hmm. than how we look at ourselves Mm -hmm. and conversely, and then consequently how we treat ourselves. So I think that's partly why it is difficult for when we grow up, why we don't find it easy or comfortable And sometimes even we find it guilty or shameful or selfish. Even some people have described it as being selfish to love themselves. And that as a coach is something that I work on with my clients a lot more than you think, (laughs) but to, to go into my own personal journey of how I had to discover learning to love myself is I was, I was raised in a, a very traditional strict household. I was the youngest and I was the girl um, in a very traditional Asian household. That's kind of the worst position you can ever be in <laughs> because hmm. you don't have a voice and you don't get to use your opinion and, and all these things, everything gets decided for you. And then I spent some time when I was in my college years, or I'm sorry, after my college years, I lived in Kentucky for eight years and um, in that area. And I really learned a lot about myself and a lot of, of the way that I grew up sort of became dismantled. And, and I felt that I was kind of rebuilt the way that I was meant to always be in terms of understanding who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. My church that I had attended um, all that time in Kentucky was the most influential and pivotal pillar of helping me to understand my real truth and nothing against my upbringing, nothing against my parents. They did the best that they could. They did what they knew that they could, but I just learned for myself that it was more important for me to be who I was versus who they wanted me to be. Mm. And so after living in Kentucky, I got married and moved to Arizona And I found myself in a situation where I felt like I was back in my childhood and everything that I had learned in my time in Kentucky about myself was being tested through my marriage. It was a very difficult, unhealthy, unstable situation. And it was to the point to where I I had two choices. I could either stay in this marriage and die a very slow internal death inside, or I was contemplating suicide and ending it a lot quicker because I did not consider the idea of divorce or leaving my, my marriage. And so death was my only option. 
And I battled with suicidal thoughts for probably the last two or two and a half years of my marriage. And the only thing that really kept me from not doing what my plans were was my son's breakfast in the morning. At the time, he only ate my scrambled eggs. I was the only one that could make him breakfast and make his eggs the way that he liked it. And every night I would put my son to bed and I would think about going through that act. But then I would stop and say, well, who would make him eggs in the morning? Mm. That's when you get to that point, Oleg, (laughs) you're in a lot of trouble internally. Um, And it took two years for me to warm up to the idea of divorce because divorce for me was difficult in a lot of ways, but I had to understand that even with divorce, there's still a chance at life afterwards. And there's still a chance at making something out of your life that would actually be what you want it to be and what you want for your children. And so I finally decided to leave my marriage at the beginning of 2018. And since then, I've just been on this journey of one, healing from all of the abuse and all of that stuff from my marriage, but two, really just learning how to love myself, honor myself, take care of myself, respect my own boundaries, and and just live my life that and where my peace is preserved and protected mm. also with my integrity. Mm-hmm. So it's been the first year was was difficult. You know, I had to basically restable myself, recenter myself and just heal from everything that I, you know, had experienced. But these last couple of years have been a much deeper journey in understanding who I am as a person and also letting go of the desire to want to go back to who I was in Kentucky. That was a difficult part for me because I felt that my time in Kentucky was when I was the most alive and the most vibrant and the most colorful. And that's the kind of person I wanted for my kids to have as a mom. But I realized over these last two years that it's okay to actually evolve and move forward versus trying to go back and be somebody that that you used to be. So Mm -hmm. that's been the journey I've been on these last couple of years. (laughs) What a story. What a a journey that you've been through and just so many different experiences that I think I I can relate to, especially I think one of the first things that comes to my mind is when you were talking about letting go of your older version in order to grow into the future one. Right. For me, based on my own experience, that's something that took me many years to really understand. And, Mm -hmm. And I think that there is purpose and there's value to hanging on to the old self beliefs, identity, really that's what it is. Yes. Because there's comfort in that. There's comfort in an experience. There's comfort in knowing that, okay, these things have happened for this many years. Right. Or I can always fall back on that foundation. Right. Were to happen. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of the challenges that I've experienced when it comes to change is change comes with uncertainty. Yes. Change comes with unknown. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen, but yes. you know what's going to happen if you go back in the past. 
right. you, know, you know what's going to happen once stress comes into your life, you know exactly where that bowl of ice cream is. <laughs> or whatever whatever that food is so there's there's that security always there yeah. I'm curious to hear from your perspective when you started talking about the concept of letting go what was the challenge of it that you personally experienced the challenge of letting something go that is familiar to you that's comfortable for you and that you trust and know is being open and vulnerable to possibility because we all hope for the best. We all want the best and we all you know, want to stay focused on the positive things. But because there's this element in your future horizon, there's this element of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. There's this element of risk. There's this element of fear. If you think about your future as a landscape, it's, it's all these different trees and bushes of fear, uncertainty, risk. Um, you know, and, and, and this horizon that doesn't seem to have borders, you don't see necessarily an end in sight, there aren't fences necessarily that are being built for you in your future just yet that says this is your new territory. Mm -hmm. And while there's, there's that hormone that releases the feeling of excitement, and oh, that's cool, something new. There's also the rational part of your brain that says, wait a minute, I don't know this story. And because I don't know what is ahead, your brain cannot prepare your body for survival of the unknown. Because our brains are are created for our body survival. Mm -hmm. It literally takes in all of the elements that are in your environment, processes it, makes sure that everything that you are experiencing in your environment at all times is not a threat to your body's survival. And so anytime there is an element in your environment that is perceived as that is a potential threat for my body's survival, then it releases all the hormones, it raises all the red flags and everything that helps you fear that element of fear, that feeling of fear. Fear is simply an alert. We, I think, overutilize the feeling of fear and we allow fear to end it, to, to dictate the decisions that we make. When in actuality, fear is more of just like a notification on your phone that you have a meeting in 10 minutes, you know, or you've got an an appointment in an hour. So fear is just a reminder and an alert that says, hey, right now in this moment, you are still alive. And when you are alive and you have life, you have choice. So that is the only thing fear was meant to do. But we end up putting fear in the driver's seat and allowing it to dictate our decisions. Now, I'm going off on a whole other tangent because that's the kind of stuff that I talk about with my clients, but <laughs> I can get into all of this all, all day long. <laughs> but, but I think letting go of something and being open to what is out there and not knowing um, what's out there, the hardest part is learning how to manage the fear. Mm-hmm. And what we have to understand is hope 
and courage cannot exist and cannot be used as weapons to fight for the good fight if fear and uncertainty are not on the battlefield. Because if hope and uncertainty and fear do not exist, we would not need hope, courage, Mm -hmm. strengthening, a strong resolve internally to push past something. We need resistance in order to push past something. Mm -hmm. And if we have fear and uncertainty present in this idea of discovery or, or, or not going back to something that we know and actually moving forward into something we don't know. There has to be that element, that resistance that we have to push against. And that's where hope and courage are birthed and cultivated. Mm. It's in that terrain. Mm -hmm. It's in that field. And it's in the finding of who we are in the presence of fear and uncertainty and the unknown, the discovery of who we are, who we really are inside and who we really can become when we are faced with those things, that is to me the ultimate goal and and journey process. Do you think fear reveals your true colors? I think fear shows you parts of who you are. Mm -hmm. I think it shows you how you can be, if you use it correctly, that it can actually draw out more of your potential than having everything being okay actually does. There is, you know, the when when you do feel stable and safe and everything's okay and nothing's really challenging your life or your day, you do feel, you can feel a sense of strength and confidence about yourself. But I think fear or, or doing something new or discovering something or going off on a different path that, you know, maybe other people in your family have not done before um, or they don't understand or they don't support going off and doing something on your own and having that level of fear, I think ends up showing you who you can be, but also the world who you are. Mm -hmm. Do you love yourself when you're in those situations? When fear is present, stress is present, uncertainty? I hope you would. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you would. But back to our original point here, I don't think we all necessarily know how. I had a client yesterday, actually, who we spent our whole time talking about something that she felt, you know, really uh, um, upset about herself for doing because she knew better. Mm. And she spent, she said she was spending all day, the day before and everything, just sort of beating up herself and everything of like, why did, why did you allow this? And you knew better and all this stuff. And, and I sat there and I said, I think the way that you're treating yourself, you've already been beat up by the world. Is, is this your natural reaction to beat up yourself for when you make mistakes? And is there a possibility that your true self, your inner self really needs you to be gentle with her? and not be another person that's beating up on her. Mm -hmm. 
for who she is. And I just think that we need to learn to cultivate gentleness with ourselves, to be forgiving, to, to give grace, to give mercy, to be understanding that we're human and that we will make mistakes and to not be afraid of the feeling of the letdown, you know, to not be afraid of feeling disappointment, to not be afraid of feeling, oh man, I royally screwed up that one. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, because when we, when we, when we base our decisions and actions in order to avoid feeling failure, if you will, mm-hmm. thinking that we're always aiming for success. And that success is a series of consecutive correct actions Mm -hmm. that create the results that we want. Then we shortchange ourselves of the actual maturation and development process where failure is actually incorporated along the way. Because making mistakes, feeling the letdown, recognizing that that was not a good decision (laughs) been there and done that you know yeah you know know, and well better add that one to the l column and not the win column you know like when we don't understand how to incorporate loss as part of the win and loss as the way to the win then we get afraid of of making mistakes. And when we get afraid of making mistakes and and couple it with not knowing how to love ourselves and treat ourselves well, that's when we end up hurting ourselves in the process and not loving ourselves enough to to keep moving forward. This is such a fascinating topic. There's there's so much to unpack and explore, but just for the sake of time as well as people who are listening right now, Let's dive into one of those areas. You, okay. you spoke about cultivating compassion. Mm. Where does one begin that journey? Or where, where can one begin the steps to cultivating compassion in their own lives? I think it starts with recognizing that humanity was designed to be perfectly flawless. And that you should strive no more than to be the best human you can possibly be. Knowing that in humanity, perfection simply is not part of the equation. And and when you learn how to just be the best human that you can possibly be, you will understand that there's this balance between good and bad and and hard and and easy and all of that. And so when you can be open to all experiences and find gratitude in everything, I think compassion for yourself and compassion for others comes easier. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you have to actively or be intentional about it. It will just come up easier because you're more forgiving, you're more understanding, 
you're more in the place of, well, I'm human and I know that I make mistakes. Therefore, if somebody else were to insult me or offend me, they're also human. And while I might need to address the issue to make sure that it doesn't happen again or take you know, certain actions to ensure it doesn't happen again, I know that it doesn't have to go further than that. I don't have to add emotion or, you know, turn it into a grudge, or I don't have to do something that is just inappropriate and violates their humanity, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it ends up being like a safeguard for you when you are understanding, forgiving, and compassionate. Mm-hmm. Mel, how can people connect with you? And do you have anything that's coming up? as part of your work that people can be a part of? Um, I do have a few things, actually. I don't know if you have uh, listeners in the Jacksonville, Florida area, but there is a women's conference that I will be speaking at um, in Jacksonville on August 14th. Uh, The website to that is um, fsmempowers.com. I do also have a documentary on Amazon Prime, um, When the Soul Cries, Trauma, Tears, Triumph. So would love to have your listeners check that out and maybe, you know, let me know what you think. And uh, also, you know, I do have some books and things out there, but um, if you want more information, just um, head to my website, lifewithcoachmel.com. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review through Facebook, iTunes, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.